0: this episode of the student housing insight podcast is sponsored by euphorus vr leasing a new development or a property that is going through a facelift requires its leasing staff to present to the prospects an illustration of what the property will look like and feel like when that prospect moves in nothing delivers that illustration better than a virtual reality tour but not all vr designs are created equal Euphorus VR is leading the way in high quality VR tours for all real estate sectors, but they really have a passion for student housing and it comes through in their work. I'm currently using Euphorus on a project for one of my clients and I was blown away at how realistic their work is. I shared it with the interior designer of the project and she actually canceled the interior photo shoot because she felt like her work was better represented by euphorce than what her photographer could do after the project was delivered imagine how that quality will translate to a prospect and if your property is already delivered but you realize your website just isn't converting traffic into tours it's because your model isn't open at 10 p.m Euphorus can help you as well by photo scanning your model unit and your amenities, so prospects can tour anytime they want when it's convenient for them. So check them out at euphorus.com. That's u-f-o-r-s.com. <laughs> Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is co-host, Ken Miller. Hi, Wes. Good morning. Good morning. How, how was your weekend? I hear, uh, I hear you got some snow in Spartanburg, South Carolina this this past weekend.
1: We did. We got a uh, a pleasant surprise. We went from a light dusting to two inches of snow in about four hours. So uh, it was very nice. And then uh, we got up the next morning and practically all was gone. So those are the kind of snows we like to see around here.
0: It's been a crazy week with weather. I, I woke up uh, Thursday morning last week in Boston to an ice storm, got to the airport to fly back to Charlotte, ended up taking between delays and everything else, uh, I think probably 10 hours to get home because there were tornadoes in charlotte so um <laughs> those are always
1: the fun trips to take aren't they you know, we went from what do we go from 70 degree weather and storms and uh i think uh, here we had flash flooding and everything else two days before dropped down to a lower degree temperature snow the next day and then you know it's back to where it was again and then we're expecting another deluge this week so yeah. if you don't like the weather in south carolina just wait long enough
0: and it'll change again. <laughs> Crazy time of the year. Um, Well, hey, listen, I think you are the perfect co-host for for the topic that we've got today. Back in, in October when we had our Southeast Regional Summit. We had a panel that really, I, I give the credit to, to Josh Rinberg over at Entrada for for creating this idea or giving me this idea. Um, it was really his idea. <laughs> but it's, uh, a couple of years ago, we did uh, an episode called Site Level to C-Suite. And we did it at the Interface Conference. And uh, had several executive level folks who started their careers at the site level. Many of them while they were students in college, and so uh, and now they've they've worked themselves into COO positions and and uh, other executive titles and uh, are doing just a, a fantastic job. And that's been the most listened to podcast episode that that we've had since. And that we were talking last year at another conference, Josh and I over dinner, and he said, hey, you should really do something with you know site level to supply side. And I was like, Josh, that's a brilliant idea because there are so many folks in this industry that end up going to work for companies like yourself, buyers access, that started out on the on the site level side. And I, I wanted to to find some folks that we could talk to that had you know started at the site level or maybe even at a mid management level at a property management company that ended up you know finding themselves making that transition. And so I think we've got a great group that we'll talk about in just a minute that have you know both made that transition. A couple of them even founded their own companies to. Provide a service to the student housing industry. So we'll get into that in a minute, but you've had a little bit of experience with this yourself. You want to give everybody just a little bit of background of why sure, you're so yeah, knowledgeable
1: I, at this? I think, uh, I think uh, I've, I've definitely had the opportunity there. I think that, you know, the way I kind of sum it up, I've been blessed throughout the years to have opportunities presented to me uh, at the appropriate times i guess and the timing was good and uh, give you a little bit of background so my my uh, property first property management experience i came in a lot of people you know you've talked before where someone's like for example rick graff over at pinnacle started as a porter and now he's you know running a multi multi million dollar property management company my experience didn't happen quite at that level i got my start as uh, what was called a microsystems manager so i was on the technology side Of uh, the business. And uh, a company called Insignia Financial Group in Greenville wanted to hire me to uh, run their microsystems division. So Mm -hmm. uh, that was the time when we proliferated computers and networks and uh, brought in fiber optics to uh, a downtown area and all the fun things you do in technology. And they were a growing property management company. As most people know, they eventually sold out to AIMCO and a few other companies. So I came in at that level. So I was basically, I guess you would call me a mid-level manager. And I became uh, uh, pretty proficient on the technology side. And then my first foray out of mainstream operations, working for a property management company, got an opportunity actually to go with Pinnacle. And uh, with them, I was a uh, uh, consultant. So, they needed someone to retool their IT department, And they asked me to make that consideration. So I stepped over onto the vendor side, if you will, or the supplier side, Mm -hmm. but I was doing my own thing. So like some of the folks here in the podcast today, they started out of not necessarily someone recruiting them over to that position, but they saw a need and a necessity and they wanted to fill it. And I had worked for so many companies for so long prior to that point that uh, it was very appealing to me to sort of do my own thing. Um, little did I know how terrifying it could be as well, <laughs> because you, <laughs> you don't know all the things that you don't know until you start learning to know them, I guess is probably the best way to put it. So, uh, stepping over to that side… I was thinking, all right, great. This is going to be my um, opportunity and, and work on my own, et cetera. Then you start thinking, wait a minute, what's going to happen when I get finished with this job? I know there's got to be another one and another one and another one. So now exactly. suddenly I've got to become my own marketing department. I've got to uh, get my name out there. I've got to make sure that I've got the next and the next and the next beyond that, because there are folks hey, that, need that I, and
0: I want And <laughs> I want to, And I want, yeah. And I want to stop you right there and interrupt you for just a second because you saying that to me as, as some advice a couple of years ago when I asked you about, hey, I, I'm thinking about just going into consulting because I've got you know some folks who have said, hey, I need your help, and. You know, you were one of the first folks I reached out to because I knew I knew you had been on that consulting side. Just to, you know, just to pick your brain and see what you know yeah, what sure. made sense, and and that was that was the key thing that you told me. And because I had, you know, you spent twenty years in the industry, and you've got a lot of colleagues and 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 quite honestly friends that you know are still in the industry, and they say. Hey, I hear you're not doing anything right now. I've got a project in X. Could you come do Y? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was that was something that I, you know, when I made that transition, it was kind of quickly. Okay, I've got some, you know, I've got some income coming in. I'm feeding my family. Everything's great. But then there was that. Okay, at some point in time, in in student housing, we know how everything is. You know, in such of a cycle. And this was in the spring when, you know, a lot of folks hadn't made their numbers and they're scrambling to try to figure something out. So I, I knew that at some point in time, uh, I was going to have to market myself. Right, and, and, and it was you really putting that thought in my head made me think about starting this podcast. And then, you know, the podcast has turned into something, you know, I don't want to say completely different. It's still a marketing avenue for my consulting services with Providential Student Housing, but. Now it's turned into <laughs> to something that you know is is really a community for the entire industry to to partake in and a platform for people to be a part of. So so yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for for giving me those wise words <laughs> of you know you you got to be the the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, the CIO. It, it's It's all on you. So if there are folks out there that are thinking about making that, we'll talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurial side of this. Um, You got to make sure you got a gut for that stuff.
1: Yeah, very true. And, you know, I I think I might have told you this, too. A lot of success can be uh, uh, achieved by a significant amount of fear. (laughs) So (laughs) once you realize that you look out and you look around, you go, wow, I'm I'm on this uh, this this uh, rubber raft here. Um, and there's a lot of ocean around me. I think that uh, you, you you realize, all right, I've got to make sure that I can be self-sufficient because not only is it just me, but in my case, yeah. I had a family to support just like you did. And uh, they were counting on me. So there was a lot of people that were expecting me to be successful. So I better make sure that I do my part to make that happen. So if you, you know, if you're out there and you're considering uh, an opportunity to move over and be somewhat more entrepreneurial, I guess, because I think you and I both had that that gene in ourselves to want to be more successful in that realm. You've got to be a self-starter. You've got to motivate yourself. You've got to make sure that you keep to a reasonable schedule, just like you had when you were uh, on site, for example, or at at your other job. You, You had a particular schedule. I do a report for work at a particular time and work that entire day and leave. You know, obviously on this side of the equation in what I'm doing now, you have the ability to have a flexible schedule. That doesn't mean that you only work 20 hours a week. That's not the flexible part of the schedule. You still are working a reasonable week, but you have the ability to to move those hours into different realms of the day or the weekend or the evenings or the mornings or what, you know, what may suit you and the the folks that you are trying to reach. So that's a perk, but you also have to remember, this is, this is a job. I have, uh, I have quotas. I have goals and objectives that I have to meet and I've got to make myself get up every morning, uh, grab the coffee and get, get about the business and make sure that those uh, objectives are met, write those goals and objectives down and meet that each day.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit why I wanted to, you know, obviously Josh created that, that idea and I think it was a fabulous idea. But one of the reasons I, I wanted to, to have a panel on this and, and discuss this is, number one, we're here to serve student housing professionals. Yes. And in whatever capacity that may be, and, and that's not just from the folks who are working at the site level or working at the management companies or they own these assets or they invest in these assets, but it's also the professionals that are supplying their services and products because we want to make sure that they really have a good grasp on what student housing is about, and what the needs are, because that way they can better serve us. And so because of that, I think a lot of people in our industry, especially at the site level and 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 I hate saying mid-management because, you know, a site-level property manager is really a CEO of a pretty decently sized company, if you think about it. They are the (coughs) mayor of his or her
1: town, for sure. I always always use that analogy when I was uh, on the operations side. You are the mayor. You have to make decisions for your community.
0: Yeah. And and I hate to say, you know, someone that's in a position of a regional manager or a traveling ops specialist is... You know, mid-management, but when you think about from, uh, you know, site level all the way to, you know, the C-suite of a, of an operating company, mid-management is what I'm talking about, that someone beyond the site level, but not necessarily you know in the executive suite so to speak so now that we've established that you know i see as the industry has has grown and it's grown significantly over the past decade the the wants and needs and the and the services to the industry has grown as well um, a lot of those with with new ideas and new products and a lot of the folks that have come up with those new ideas and products haven't necessarily come from the industry and don't really understand, especially off-campus, purpose-built student housing. Right. So they look at the site level and the and the mid-management employees uh, of these student housing companies and saying, "Hey, this may be a good candidate to poach to you know help us launch this into the student housing industry or take over a region." And so it's typically on that sell side or that account support side that you'll see a lot of recruiters go into the student housing industry for. And so I really wanted to create a discussion on how can I evaluate if this is something that that I need to do. And yeah, you know, I think the this will come out in the in the discussion, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, if you don't have a passion for student housing while you're on site, then you're not going to have a passion for student housing and not going to be able to deliver what's needed to you know that supplier and what their objectives are, are going to be.
1: Uh, I think that's very true. I think uh, you know the, the kind of the analogy I like to use is student housing is is somewhat like a, a carousel, uh, you know, at the <laughs> at the amusement park. There's a cycle associated <laughs> with student housing, and it's a very predictable cycle. And if, if you are, if you're not in a position where you like that kind of lifestyle or that kind of cycle, then moving from one carousel to another may not necessarily be a good choice for you. So yeah. I think that the first thing you have to have is a real serious discussion with yourself about what are the things I do like about my job? What are the things that I I don't like? What do I think is going to be is the grass going to be greener on the other side, so to speak? I use all these different analogies, but it's very true. Is is it going to be exponentially better if I move over the supplier side uh, versus what I'm doing now? I think those are, those are very serious discussions you have to have with yourself prior to making a knee-jerk reaction to move because maybe you know, that week you didn't like something that happened or maybe a parent was overly uh, vocal to you on the phone because of their student or something. You know, some, some small isolated situation shouldn't cause you to make a massive career change. So you have to think about what those contributions are going to be and what's really motivating you to, to go there in the first place. But beyond that, I think that you look at what is that position going to be is it going to be a sales position? So am I, in my current position, very sales motivated? Do I get along with other people? Am I willing to uh, make phone calls that's out of the blue? Am I willing to get in front of people and make presentations? So that's what sales is gonna be about. Am Am I able to close a deal? Do I do really, am I good at negotiating? So those are things you would ask yourself. But there are other positions that a lot of the suppliers need too, which are related to the support function that you mentioned. So maybe I'm not gonna be in front of folks all the time. I love talking to people and solving their problems. If I'm that type of person, perhaps maybe I'm a support specialist, maybe I'm an implementation person for that company. Um, There there, there are other positions within the company that uh, they're looking for. So I know we've talked a lot about the sales side up to this point, but there are plenty of other types of positions that suppliers need and they need the expertise of someone who's had operations experience to be able to bring that to their company.
0: Well, it's you, you mentioned one thing there in, in regards to those sales positions, and and that being, you know, the the ability to negotiate. And I would say that if your only experience has been, uh, you know, within student housing or, or as a career, um, has been in student housing, which that's a lot of people, because mm-hmm. most most people in this career started while they were in college, and you know, when you start talking about rental rates, uh, you know, those are kind of set typically by an ownership asset management group, you know, in correlation with with the property management group. And, and then you're just kind of set with, you know, what those prices are, what the incentives are. There's not a lot of room to negotiate and there's not a lot of autonomy given to negotiate. Right. So I would say, you know, if this is something that you're being considered for and it's Yeah, let's be honest. Those supply companies are are looking to you as a student housing professional because a, you understand the lingo, you understand the industry, you understand the needs of especially someone who's on site. Um, You possibly even have you know the network and the contacts to open up some doors that may otherwise would not be open to this company. And so those are some strengths that I think everybody's going to bring in. But there are some things like you just mentioned with negotiations that you've got to be up front with that potential employer and say, look, I have not had the autonomy or a lot of experience in negotiating. You know, this is something I, I need you to spend some time with me on. And I think just being self-aware and having that upfront discussion goes a long way in an interview process so that that employer understands, okay, this is a weakness. We've either got to supplement it or we've got to train, uh, you know, from, from that standpoint. So uh, that's that's a key point.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, speaking from, uh, speaking from experience here on the buyer's access side, Our company has been around for about 35 years, and the majority of the folks who have joined the company over the years are folks who came from the property management world. Mm -hmm. Most of our account managers, if not all, have had site-level experience managing a property. Um, So the folks in our back office on member services, they've had experience in property management. Our senior staff has all had property management experience. So we have leaned on folks coming from the industry to take positions within our company. And I know there are a lot of other uh, suppliers to multifamily, student housing uh, that have a, a similar mindset. The more folks we can uh, bring in, it's, it's great to bring people, people from the outside. I'm not saying that we should only focus our efforts on hiring from the inside. But I think that having that insight and experience is extremely valuable to a supplier for the relationship side of things, for uh, support and ongoing maintenance, for being able to relate in student housing terms. Um, That's a specific skill set that was acquired over a lot of experience being in the trenches on site and understanding the the day in and day out things. You can't bring that in from another industry. That's why you know, we look into that, uh, look into the student housing world for people who have that experience or you know, at least from a property management perspective, understanding how a property works, et cetera.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I want to go ahead and, and push play on this and, and get into the discussion because I think there's so much that you guys can take away from, from this. One of the things that Chantel from Modern Message, and you'll, you'll hear more from her in just a second, because she was the rookie on this panel. She was... Literally, just a few weeks into jumping off of you know an on-site position into you know being a the, the main sales lead person for Modern Message for student housing, and one of the key things she talks about is look, I already had a passion for this product. It was easy for me to to make this transition just because of I don't want to put words in her mouth. I don't think she said easy, but. It was one of those things that she was just so passionate about, and she gotten so much use out of that she was kind of selling it already, just with you know personal referrals. So, it's so a lot of good stuff to take away from this. We've also got um, Lincoln Ogata from Easy Turn, who's a co-host here as well, and Robert Castellucci with RoomSync, who I've known for a couple of decades now, <laughs> and to uh, to see his company evolving the way that it has he's even got a huge release that's coming out here in a, in a couple of weeks with an entrada integration uh, so we've got a, we've got a good group here that also you know it's gone that entrepreneurial path as well as that you know employee employer path so let's push play on this and we'll have some takeaways and announcements at the end all right sounds good I think everyone will enjoy this one. Just a quick show of hands. How many people are avid listeners of the Student Housing Insight podcast? <laughs> okay. Thanks for making me feel good. So, um, one thing that I did uh, a couple of years ago at uh, Interface in Austin, Texas, because that's one that's a unique opportunity when you're really able to kind of get everybody from you know from the industry, especially at a C-suite level, be able to get them under one roof, and, and that doesn't that only happens a couple times in our industry, so. I wanted to take advantage of that, and I did a, a podcast called From Site Level to C-Suite. Anybody listen to that episode at all? So if, if, you're, if you're currently at the site level and you know, you're saying, hey, I want, I want to kind of work this track, I like this industry, this is my career path, I eventually want to get into a support role and, and possibly even an executive role at some point, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to that because we had some some great folks from five different companies that I've kind of grown up with or alongside with in this industry. That I said, guys, we've all kind of come through this you know through this industry, starting at the site level, going to where you know we're we're at now. And I think it's really important to to be able because it's a much different industry than when we started, and we really kind of need to to shepherd a lot of these. A lot of these folks that are picking this industry, and give them some ideas on what they needed to be looking to do. This is a this is kind of a spinoff <laughs> of that episode. Josh and I were at, at Campus Connects um, that NEA does every February, and we were having dinner. and He said, "You know, I really like that episode. That's what you said, right?" Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should do a, a site level to, to supply side um, or site level to vendor side because there's a lot of folks that, that end up taking that career path. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. You're welcome. Thank you. And, and so this has kind of been something, this particular panel has been something that's been incubating and we've been talking about. So welcome the panel today. Um, all these folks are people that we're on the site level side. Um, most of them in, in student housing on the site level side and have made the transition to the supply and vendor side. And I think they've got some great information to, to share with you guys. So please give them a round of applause. So um, I want to start with um, Chantel with Modern Message. Chantel, you are kind of the, the rookie out of everybody up here. You've you're the one that has most recently made that transition. And I want to just ask that question to you of, you know, since it's fresh on your mind, what was it that, you know, evoked you to do that? What's spurred your curiosity? And, and how's that transition going?
2: So I'm 100% a rookie. I've been on the vendor side like eight weeks, so I'm so <laughs> super brand new. Uh, but I, I had been uh, in student housing for about nine years as a lease-up manager I moved to a corporate marketing with Graystar and then with Bainbridge. And I found myself having conversations about Modern Message. I work for Modern Message, hi, Um, (laughs) found myself having conversations over and over about this one company and why I love them. And when people would say they had a need at their property, whether it was reputation or getting their residents to actually participate in events or post on social media or whatever it was, I constantly found myself yelling off the rooftops about this company in casual conversations, networking events, and it sparked something for me. Like, wait, (laughs) I'm not getting paid to do this, but I guess I could, right? I mean, I'm already telling everyone. So that's kind of what started that transition. and uh, they actually reached out to me because I was an advocate online, um, telling friends. I was posting on the Multifamily Insiders Group or student housing groups and just telling people about why why I loved it. And they reached out to me.
0: So uh, let me just go ahead and, and survey the rest of you guys for the crowd. Um, uh, yeah, we can start with, with with you, Lincoln. The the crazy thing about this is, is we've got three folks that made that transition as employees. And we've also got two folks up here who found a solution or wanted a solution to a problem that they were dealing with on site and you know, there was nobody providing it, so they said, screw it, I'm going to go do this myself. So if you've been that person in in your office that says there's got to be a better way of doing this, these are a couple of folks that, that can kind of tell you what that journey is like. But Lincoln, and, and if we could just pass it down once you're done, just what was your first kind of entree into student housing and then... Just give us a, a, obviously everybody's heard from me today, but yeah. <laughs> tell everybody what you're doing now.
3: Okay, yeah, so um, like I mentioned earlier, for all of you that were here, I uh, started off obviously on that side of it, and like I mentioned, everywhere I went, I kept being given the task of turn, and like I said, at University of Kentucky, that was magnified by a thousand times. I had just never done a t- turn that size, and P3s were still r- relatively new at that point, so really no one had done a turn of that size. Uh, when we very first undertook it. So, when you kind of look to your leadership to think, all right, guys, you know, cue me in, how's this supposed to look? They had no answers for me. They wanted me to treat it like it was a 600 bed property, um, which you clearly can't do when you're talking about, you know, 25 plus vendors on one site and managing that. So, um, it was there that my brain started cranking. Again, I tell everyone out of not being able to find a product, I looked everywhere. Nothing was specific to student housing. Um, it was nice to have any budget I wanted, and that was the almost more frustrating though. You can spend what you want, find whatever's going to help you be successful with TURN. And there was nothing out there I could even buy that was going to help me. There was a lot of multifamily stuff. Everything that I, I use the line stops at the front door. Because student housing goes beyond that, right? So everyone else stops at the front door, and that's it. Um, and so I had a really hard time trying to even retrofit any of that. So that's when my brain started turning. And then later on when I partnered up with uh, my co-founder to actually dig into this. I, or I already had notes. I think I kind of shocked them. He's like, I'm thinking about this, and I was like, I've already been thinking about this, let me show you my notes, here's my system that I had. So during that time there, and like he said, having something come to your mind out of frustration and not having it in the field, uh, that's really how I got into that.
4: Rob?
5: Yeah, my name's Rob Castellucci. I was a college kid in Gainesville, Florida. Terrible lease-up market, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, a, I was a junior, I was looking for a way to rent and I figured working at the property would be an easy commute uh, so I did that and I did it for about seven months this was with Lane properties as well as Collier companies eventually took over the site and uh, roommate matching became the bane of my existence and from there I decided to start a roommate matching software company I can go more into that later on when we get deeper in the questions but uh, now I run Run Roomsync. we provide roommate matching software to student housing properties and universities.
6: Hi, I'm Joanne Arell, and uh, I kind of came in a little—not quite through as far as on-site experience. I came in through the conventional side of the industry, working in um, HR and training, actually. And I spent a lot of time onsite, directly doing you know small groups trainings, working directly at the at the properties for um, a little big company. It was called United Dominion at the time, but it's now UDR. So. Um, but really big company, and that's kind of how I launched into it, and left them to go into uh, recruiting and temporary placements, and with a company based here in Charlotte, which was really that was my start. I would stay in student housing. Uh, Adam Byerly, a few of you probably know him, was one of my first customers. He was actually a leasing consultant um, at the time. It was a long time ago. Uh, And so I've been in various capacities over just about the last 20 years. So I know I don't look that old, right? Um, And uh, uh, worked in uh, the purchasing side and with all of the um, uh, suppliers within the industry for a number of years. Uh, Went from that to um, a technology-based company of the same. And then from there to... um, Uh, MFIP, which is um, renter's insurance, and now where I am today as um, SVP of uh partnerships for unilodgers which is an online leasing and marketing platform and having launched um the US market here so really grown and there's a lot of different ways to learn the industry so I really do understand student housing from a lot of different capacities and um have worked with um almost all of your companies in one way or the other over over the years you really learn a lot and it carries over so there um you know there's just a lot of a lot of opportunity to to build it
0: and if we all got off a plane back from Italy 72 hours ago, we'd probably look 20 years younger,
6: too. Just yeah, <laughs> thanks, Wes.
4: <laughs> and I am Joshua Renberg. Um, I started my career in College Station as a leasing agent at the Lofts of Wilpin Creek, um, doing the new development for that. Grew as the leasing manager the year after, um, once we stabilized. And after college, I was a regional marketing director for Asset Campus Housing. Currently, I work for Entrada, and I have the privilege to work on our student housing, conventional housing, military housing, and commercial products.
0: So Josh, you went from, you know, from being on site to, to then going into a support role, um, uh, supporting those sites, and, and you know, also kind of putting your thumbprint on what was happening from you know, a corporate initiative standpoint. How, how did that end up getting you involved with Entrada?
4: Yeah, so when I was a regional marketing director, I identified the need for um, somebody to take a hold of a lot of the different initiatives that our company was uh, trying to get off the ground, but needed somebody to help get it across the finish line. Um, so I pitched that role to leadership and got the opportunity to work on the technology team. And the first project was identifying an online leasing solution. So back in the day, of course, we'd all take that for granted now. Um, so we rolled that out. And uh, during the course of that project, we had identified property solutions, now Entrada. Um, and just fell in love with the organization and um, saw the opportunity right there to, to help solve a problem for, for all our lives, to improve that through uh, technology and software. So really had a passion um, for identifying, identifying those problems and then helping execute and, and solve those problems. Um, and working at a tech company, it's a fun, laid-back environment, and we've got a lot of resources to be able to work on, on fun projects.
0: You know, what's kind of crazy between what both you and Chantel have shared is I, I knew of you when you were at ASSET, you know, on site and then, um, or not on site, but, but with the corporate office. And then Chantel just recently met you, but was introduced by um, someone in common and, and what was, you know, what that person said to me was, you know, this person is just incredibly passionate about student housing. You know, and she she's taken that into modern message and, and what's happening there. Same thing. I mean, both of you guys are very passionate about student housing, and, and what I've seen that translate both into your positions and what you're you know carrying over is is that passion is carrying forward. And in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like you guys are an advocate for us um, on the student housing side because not one company can typically for you know, a company like Introder or Modern Message, just looking at student housing, there's not enough money there, right? And so a lot of times we as an industry end up kind of getting lost. So tell me a little bit about, again, carrying that passion over. Um, is that something that really helped you guys in making that transition and getting the attention of, of the, your employers today?
2: That's, that's the constant conversation now and that's the conversation starter for me at this point is I've used this product or I've, I'm passionate about this and I've been in your shoes. And I think that that translates a lot better um, to anyone. It would translate better to me as a marketer, as a corporate marketer, as a property manager if someone said, I use this and I'm here because I love this. Um, I got an email back from someone that I met at AIM. Uh, recently, and I had said, I I made this transition, she said, wow, Chantal, if you went to work for a company on the vendor side, like if you left this job that you love in this industry that you went to the other side, you must believe in it. I need to hear about it. And so it's definitely that passion that carries over. um, And I think that that translates very well.
4: Yeah, there are a lot of young, bright minds on this panel and in this room and in the industry of student housing. And from a technology perspective, it's fun working with uh, that type of persona that's engaged and wanting to adopt technology and really helps us push the envelope. So, um, And student housing in general, we were talking about this at lunch, it's so much easier from our perspective to have a student housing professional foray into a different vertical conventional housing uh, uh, other than the other way. Um, so be able to leverage that versatility um, in student housing, the, all the aspects you learn: customer service, change management, um, marketing, sales. There's so much to the roles in student housing that is so versatile in your career path. So, I think that's a testament to the success of this panel to being able to take that foundation and really find your passion and, and go from there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joanne, with, with you coming from um, uh, being on the being on the conventional side, what was it? What, what was it that drew you over to to going into the supply side?
6: I really just kind of fell into it, honestly, yeah. like most of us have. Like we didn't say, "Oh, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, work in apartments or work in, in in student housing." It just sort of happened. Timing was, you know, I, it w- was just right for yeah. me to go to the supplier side. I actually had really, I had two very small children, honestly, and um, I just needed a little bit more, you know, versatility and flexibility. And so that's kind of how. How I, um, fell into it and just grew it from there. And, um, just, you know, you develop relationships and partnerships with people. In fact, um, I, I, I hate the word vendor, honestly. I don't, I don't feel like that's, um, really very descriptive of what we do. I know we've used it a few times over. Will, no more. So, um, I, and in fact, that's, you know, my, my title is, is partnerships. So, I mean, that's really what it's all about because it, it all makes the world go round. You know, we can't, you guys can't live without us. We can't live without you. So, you know, my, my, my approach is that we look at it as a partnership and very much what I do every day is consultative. So, you know, if you, that's, it's, it's all about listening and hearing and, you know, what it is that, that you need. How can I help? How can I not help? And, you know, it's like I said, it's just kind of all what what makes yeah, it go I, around. I,
0: you know, I don't know how you can be in any in the industry and not want to be, you know, that that consulting person person. But especially for any of you guys that are, are thinking about making that that transition, that's got to be something that that you embrace is is wanting to help people solve their problems, um, and sometimes helping them understand what their problems even are, uh, because that's. A lot of times, they don't even understand what what their problems what problems they're facing. So,
6: yeah, I would say that's probably where kind of you know coming from an HR background, where that actually people are like, "How'd you get into sales?" I'm like, "I don't know," you know. But but it, it, it's all about it's all about communication and listening and like really listening and then you know providing uh, solutions.
0: And, and The other thing that I didn't we talked about this on the phone last week when the rest of us were talking and, and it just came up again. And I can't really think of anybody that, I mean, we've got some great sponsors and, and, and um, suppliers that are here to, today, and you know, talking to any one of them, if they've come from the supply side, or excuse me, from the site level or from the operations side, I don't feel like any of them have, and you guys haven't shared it, you're not running away from property management or from, or from student housing. It's very much, you, know, you guys are, are looking for another way to serve student housing.
2: I love that you said that last week, and it's kind of resonated so well with me because if you are running away from property management or from being on site, you're not going to be a consultant. You're not going to be there to want to empathize and understand and help and really put that same passion in. You need to take that passion and expand on it and grow it. So, when you said that about running, you don't want to run from student housing or from on site, but what are you running towards? What drives you? What inspires you? And what are you passionate about that you can share that passion? Um, with other people that are in your shoes or in your industry or that are partners with. I still use the word vendor. Sorry. And you know, it's just, let me tag on that real fast. What's one of
6: the the cool things about being on the, the supply side is that you have the benefit and the insight of so many different companies. So you really can, you really can consult. It's not like you're giving away trade secrets, but you know, you know what, what worked with one company and didn't work with another and, you know, being able to kind of share that information in a, you know, in a positive way, and that's not not necessarily competitive. And I can say I definitely did not
3: run away or uh, want to move on from it because I found the area that people hate the most, and that's my whole life now. So um, instead of everyone else who counts turns by how many years they've been in student housing, you know, I, I did like 50 turns this last year and still had the people calling me frantic, vendor walked off. Um, some of them, it's kind of funny how it's evolved into it, but some people will call me and I'm like, is this an easy turn question? At the end, I realized they want to know how I used to make up my teams to go through buildings. I'm like, at the end of it, I don't even realize. I'm like, that wasn't anything to do with easy turn. Um, so they're just kind of utilizing me. But, yeah, so all I can say is I definitely um, didn't didn't want to leave that area. Again, that's the adrenaline junkie in me. But turn is my whole life now. So.
0: Well, and, and Rob, speaking of. RoomSync's been around for a while. Ten years. As a room bug, so glad you guys. Never gonna live that down. (laughs) Um, And uh, and yeah, it was originally you know a Facebook app, and you guys have obviously evolved and kept up with what's happening and how people are using the technology, but. you know, unlike everybody else here, you started this as a student. So I'd really like if you just kind of walk us through that journey because I think a lot of us, you know, we're we employing students and you're kind of that you know, that annoying kid that came and said, fix this and uh yeah, yeah. just kinda of walk us through
5: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we we all deal with frustrations on site right? And we can view those as frustrations, or we can view those as opportunities to build something or have some kind of initiative, transform from it. And for some reason, I decided on the latter. Uh, So like I said, I was really fresh in student housing when I went through my first turn. Prior to that, though, we had to do the roommate matching. So a couple things I noticed. Uh, Number one, people would tour students, their parents, they would tour the property and then they would ask about roommate matching. I'd say, no problem, we have this piece of paper that you fill out. And I, I just get this kind of look from them saying like, piece of paper, what? And then they walk out, usually never to be seen again. Then we would get some people that would sign contracts, they'd sign their leases, yes, and I'd give them the roommate matching form, the paper questionnaire back in the day. And the kids would go outside, shoot some hoops while the parents filled out the questionnaire. Right, I see. That. Yeah. So, how good is that data? Well, I, I feel like I got really good at pairing uh, parents together, maybe not so good at pairing the residents themselves. Uh, which leads me to the third thing. We would go in the back office for about two weeks of our time during the busiest time of the year. A lot of pizza, a lot of soda, uh, maybe a lot of other beverages. And uh, we'd pair people up. Uh, we'd do it based on, yeah, sure, maybe data, uh, maybe based on us being tired and wanting to get the heck out of there, who knows. Uh, and then we give out assignments. So the assignments would go out maybe a month before move-in. And the funniest thing would happen. Now, now remember, this is about 2006. So Facebook had just started to become a thing on campus. So we'd give out these assignments. A thousand assignments just go out. Guess what happens? Mom, dad, kid. They all go onto Facebook. They research, stalk, aka their roommates. And then they call back into me. I get 50 calls that day from upset parents, upset residents saying, hey, you really suck at pairing roommates. This person is a terrible fit based on something I saw online. So we had to move them around before they even talked with each other. Then they move in. And of course, people don't get along. And then they come into the office to me. They say, hey, You know, we're not getting along. You really are terrible at roommate matching. Fix this. So that was, that was my life for about a six month cycle where I went through all that. And from there, at some point, probably after like the 51st call that day from upset parent checking Facebook, I'm like, oh, wait a sec, we can just shelf this off to Facebook, give them access to this before they've been assigned rather than after. And that was it. That was really the genesis of the idea. And from there, I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I pitched the property. I I said to my property manager, hey, uh, what we're going to do for next year, we can make a Facebook group for every single type of lease that we signed, a two bedroom, a three bedroom, a four bedroom special. And she uh, she kind of entertained it for a little while, but then at the end of the day, she didn't want to change her process. She's like, yeah, Rob, it's a good idea, but uh, we're gonna keep it the same for this year. And that was really frustrating. And at that point I decided, well, heck, I'm just gonna start it on my own. And at that point the Facebook platform had become a thing. I could start, build it. I had some friends I knew in college that we could start it. And, um, and the rest was history, and that's how we started the business. So I think the point there is that I saw a problem that was really frustrating, uh, and I wanted to fix it. I started at the site level, which I think all of us can do, is bring these ideas that we have to our site level. If you're a property manager, try to be receptive to your leasing consultants, your leasing specialists, your assistant managers. Um, and if they aren't receptive and you really feel strongly about the idea, go out on your own. Start yourself. You know how much money we invested in starting our business? each. So four founders, $400. That's how much we did. It's not a money thing to start your own business. If you see a problem, you can do it with very limited resources.
0: So all the property managers, site-level managers, raise your hand. So keep them up if you've ever had a student come to you and say, hey, I want to do something to fix some type of issue. Still a lot of hands up. How many of you guys have given the ability to and the encouragement to move forward with it or how many of you guys are like, well, I got to get my TPS reports done today. I don't have, <laughs> I, I, I guess one question I want to have for you. I mean, cause that, that property manager, you know, initially wasn't too encouraging of it. And, and, uh, you know, it, fortunately you were a business major and it kind of fell in line with what, with what you were doing. I know, I mean, let me tell you how before Entrada came along with their great integration for for sending messages out to, to students about packages and that type of thing. There was a, I had a property in in Morgantown, West Virginia, where we had a CA that um, had been another property, and he had actually uh, how many how many people deal with packages, right? This was gosh, this was probably ten years ago. So there was. <laughs> There was uh, it was a lot. The landscape was a lot different at that point in time, and uh, we had somebody that said, "Look, this." Or we had a CA that had done um, uh, some development work with computers, and he said, "Look, I think there's a better way that we can do this." And he created, you know, basically a, a tracking system where we could use a barcode and scan that in, and you know, enter the the resident in, and they would be alerted by email. To do text messaging at the time, but email. Um, and another company, another property management company, actually ended up buying that from them. Now it's, you know, since died and, and going away. But, I mean, what an incredible impact we have as, as site managers, as regional managers, to really kind of incubate these these ideas that students have. Um, and I don't know that, you know, everybody is, is really grasping that. But, you know, this is a time where, where kids are, you know, they're not – you know they're not thinking about what's going to keep them from doing something. So I would really encourage you guys to to embrace that. I don't know if you've got any other words of wisdom on how they can help encourage that of their of their students and their other coworkers.
5: Real real fast, I would say my my favorite thing to do as a kindergartner. I know this is going to sound unrelated, but it is was show and tell. I loved show and tell because it was my time to show something that I brought from home, whether it's a geode or a different size geode or whatever. So so if you have a weekly meeting with your staff, have a little like show and tell session, right? Where anyone who has any ideas can share their ideas. Maybe there's a a voting level where everyone can vote and say, do we want to pursue this or not? And if you want to pursue it, Maybe choose the simplest version of that pursuit. If it's an idea for a new roommate matching system, maybe focus on one building or something that can be turned around in a week to show actual results. But I think having some kind of outlet for your leasing specialists and other staff members to express these things is good. And, and even if you don't accept the idea, having a platform for them to share it is going to increase engagement. I think that's something we all want as our staff to be more engaged in the process. I know we're all busy, but there are ways to do it.
0: So I, I want to say a little bit on this entrepreneurial track and and go back to Lincoln because, you know, Rob was a college student. I mean, he could survive off of ramen noodles and for whatever. You had five kids at home when you decided to make this transition. What was it from a mindset standpoint that made you said, say, all right, I'm jumping in, I'm all in with this? Okay, so I'm going to... Uh...
3: I'm going to kind of answer that and break down something I was going to say too. Uh, in In my local area, Lexington, it's not a huge necessarily. I mean, no one thinks of Lexington like they do Silicon Valley or anywhere else. So there's not a lot of entrepreneurs. So in that small area, you know, in the country, my business partner myself actually talked to some entrepreneurs and we get to do some of that advising and stuff. So um, I'll tie that in. But the thing I was going to say on here real quick was uh, we tell people that there's dreamers. And there's workers. And then this nice little sliver are the dreamers that can work, and those are the entrepreneurs. So um, it's really, and I'd say 70% of people fall into just one of the two categories. Some people, it's fine. They're going to work for corporate America their whole life. That's all they want to do. It doesn't mean they're not great at it. And then there's dreamers who... Now that's the scary thing. If you go to date someone, and they say I'm an entrepreneur, and that means they might not be employed at the time. But um, but if you find that, and so what? I'm just saying that to if you're a property manager, and it's not to give them an impossible task, but sometimes you'll be able to curve. Doesn't mean you have to stop what you're doing and try to take over the responsibility of helping a, de- a piece go into development. But if you just say, why don't you write it down? Something as simple as that. And say, write down your idea, do some research. We tell this to entrepreneurs, do your research on what competition is. See if there's not someone out there that already does it. And that doesn't mean you can't do it, but at least know who you're competing against. Give them a small assignment, and you're going to narrow out. Um, and that's not to be a dream killer. That's because you're supposed to do your job. And if they're motivated, like uh, Rob was here, then he obviously is a dreamer worker. So he was ready to put that work in. But that's answer to answer that part. For me, another thing we tell people entrepreneurs, we we use this term, um pull the boat close to the dock. So if you're going to take that leap and leave something, that's pretty sure. Uh, there's a lot more hours in the day, no matter how much we work. There just are where we're thinking about stuff either way. And if you go again and research and start to build up another company that time, you can make that transition easier um, and do that You know that portion of it. But I definitely, for any entrepreneur I talk to, I tell them, because some people say, I really care because I go all in, and then they fall flat on their face. And they're like, well, that's the entrepreneur way, but it, it really isn't. Um, You can do your own research. You can have a backup. You can work a part. A lot of people started with a part-time job and then also pursued their dream. So for me, I had to make sure that I had some other things I could do uh, to make the transition. But it did feel good. It was like a a quarter-life, third-life crisis thing to be able to go and leave where I was very comfortable doing something and then hop into something and try something out. And so I'm just happy I can still learn stuff. I'm not at that stage yet. So,
0: No, thanks for sharing yeah, we're we're really kind of at the at the end of our time here. There uh, were a couple more things that that I wanted to to ask you guys uh, that have made that transition. But I do want to just kind of throw it to the audience really quick to see if see if there's any questions you guys have specifically for this panel. Maybe you can ask. Uh, don't sabotage Josh over here and ask him when the next updates are coming out. But maybe if you've got really good career questions for these guys, anybody?
3: I've got something for to Um, I don't know your capacity to answer certain questions, Um, but uh, definitely not going too deep. But I'm wondering in terms of um, integrating with other tools and um, softwares that are providing um, partnerships with student housing properties. Do you know if that's something you guys are focusing on? Um, I I know I see a lot of like API documentation and stuff like that. Um, but I'm wondering if that's something you guys are going to be coming more open about because I think it's something that's needed um, to, to make sure it's, there's like an ease uh, platform for that. So I'm wondering if that's something that you guys have even talked about or if you have insight into that.
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So Entrada's mindset is um, it is our partner's data. Um, so we have an open API. It's fully documented. Um, and we do not charge any integration fees, unlike some of our competitions. So we absolutely want to foster and allow any solution to to grasp our data and and work together with that. So absolutely.
1: Any other
0: questions?
5: Maybe as a good example of that, we're literally working with the API, the Intride API right now, and we're working on integration and it's, Compared to every other API that I've seen in the industry, Entratus is by far the best. Best documented. Best as far as working with the individuals to um, to get this API working with our systems. Um, it's been nothing but a pleasure.
6: Yeah, Unilogers is as well, and I've done in a couple other capacities with other companies.
3: I know we got a couple more out there. Any other questions? <laughs>
0: Well, guys, there you have it. That is our our site level to supply side interview that we did at the Southeast Regional Summit in Charlotte this year. And if you haven't been to a regional summit, you've got four chances in 2020 to get to one. We've got two that are coming up the spring in May and June in both uh, Chicago and Phoenix, respectively. And then we've got one in Dallas that we're doing at the same time as LeaseCon. Uh, that's done by the great folks over at at Interface Conference uh, who also put on Interface Student Housing in Austin in April. And then we've got our last uh, summit for 2020 will be in October in Atlanta this year. That's where the location of our Southeast Regional Summit will be. So um, you don't have to be in these regions to attend. But, uh, you know, so that way, if there's a a time doesn't work out, or if a location doesn't work out, you've got some flexibility there. There will be some catered things in our workshop specifically for those regions. But, you know, if, if you're in Chicago and you can't get to the one that we're doing in May, uh, but, you know, flights are cheap to Phoenix and, you know, that timing works out. Don't feel like you have to miss out because your property's in Chicago or Champaign or somewhere. You're more than welcome to attend. We'll still have a lot of great data for you in addition to the content. So uh, so those are coming up. You can go to the website, studenthousinginsight.com to get more information on that. And also make sure you've joined the SHI community. Uh, again, that's at studenthousinginsight.com. Go to the upper right-hand corner and click on Log In. If you're not a member, just go through the, the setup process and and then you're in. So a lot of great information we've got. We're posting on everything from new content to a lot of cool things that we're doing this year on following professionals in this industry and, and then also. We have job postings there as well. So regardless if you're looking for a change or regardless if you're trying to find somebody to fill a position, make sure that you're listing and looking at the Student Housing Insight community. Well, Ken, I appreciate your help today. Uh, again, uh, go back to what I said earlier. There's a lot. Uh, I don't even know if this, if this podcast would exist if it wasn't for a conversation you and I had, I don't know, three years ago. <laughs> no, that makes
1: me that makes me feel good. You know, you took an idea, you already had the idea in your head and you just uh, decided to push that idea into fruition and I think there are I actually don't think I know there are a lot of folks who are extremely grateful to you for taking that leap. Um, you know, you were one of those folks who said, this is scary. And uh, you might not say that out loud, but I bet you said it to yourself a few times. And my wife. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you took the leap. And as a result of that, a lot of people have been able to um, to benefit from that. And you know, I, I, I think that uh, there's a, a lot of kudos to be had for that. Plus, the organization of these uh, various events throughout the year, uh, extremely important. And not only takeaways from the folks who will be there to interact, but just being able to, from a from a student housing perspective and management perspective, being able to discuss things candidly with your peers in a very casual setting gives you a lot of takeaways to take back to and implement at your individual properties, because you just don't have that capability on a regular basis with everything in your face to be able to do that. So here's an opportunity to be away from your office, hopefully away from the phone long enough, and have a chance to interact not only during the conference, but then there, you know, there are events outside of that allow you to, to interface with your friends and, and coworkers.
0: Very unique events
1: as well. For sure.
0: Exactly. In fact, if, uh, if you want to see the unique event that we had in Charlotte, which was the venue was at the Water U.S. National Whitewater Center uh, here in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, I. I love rafting. I'm starting to realize how much older I am that <laughs> I don't know how many more years I've got of really loving rafting. But we actually just posted a recap video from from that summit and it has the epic fall out of the ra- out of the raft by yours truly. <laughs> so Great. You'll have to uh, you'll have to go check that video out on our YouTube channel. 10
1: million views on YouTube already, Yeah. I guess. <laughs>
0: If it gets 10 million views, I'm going to monetize it. Just (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now. Well, hey, guys, I appreciate it. Ken, I appreciate you and all the great work that you're doing for uh, the student housing companies out there, not only through this platform, but also with everything that you're doing at Buyers Access. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Very good, Wes. Well, we appreciate the opportunity as always and uh, uh, love the encouragement that's out there and look forward to the feedback, not only from this podcast, but for uh, uh, ideas and suggestions from our audience for future things they'd like to know about. Uh, I'm sure there are other topics that you and I and others haven't even thought of yet. So if uh, folks have those ideas, we'd love to hear them.
0: Great. Thanks again.
1: All right. Take care.